Hey, it's great to see you today. My name is Philip Thomas, pastor of Journey here in Elgin, Texas. This is our Tuesday edition of Journey Through Scripture. Uh, you can pick up any time. We're going through a chronological look at the Bible. Uh, we're in Leviticus, and uh, glad that you have joined us today. Uh, if you haven't had a chance to, to read today, we're going to be going over Leviticus chapters 18 through 22. So Leviticus chapters 18 through 22. Um, so if you want to take a pause for a moment, encourage you to do that. And then we're going to dive into Leviticus 18 through 22. All right. Well, as, as we have been going through, one of the things I talk about a lot is uh, culture, what was going on a few thousand years ago. We're, we're constantly having to um, factor that into what we understand and what the Bible is teaching us today. Um, and this is, this is going to be a tough uh, couple chapters, uh, one that make us very uncomfortable and has become very contentious in our society today. Uh, and I think some of that is because of cultural um, uh, issues and challenges. Um, I acknowledge I do not have a good black and white way that I approach this. Um, I, I typically kind of look at things, if it's talking about rituals, um, things like that, I, I don't think that's a direct correlation that we have to follow those rituals exactly, and many times those are overturned later on. Um, I, I know that uh, there's been many times, we've talked about this before, whenever it talks about um, punishments for sins and things like that that seem really harsh to us. Some of that is cultural. Um, some of that is, is used for emphasis because we don't actually see evidence that the people of Israel actually use that kind of punishment, um, you know, in the days and years to, to follow. And so maybe it was more as, uh, the punishment was said, okay, here, uh, you, you punish, you know, someone for slapping their uh, parent by putting them to death. Well, we don't see any evidence of that ever uh, being followed through with. And so maybe that was a, a way of emphasizing the importance of, of not slapping your parents, right? Um, so, so we, we struggle with that. Um, so every time that the Bible says you should put someone to death for this, I, I don't think it actually means that we have to follow that literally. Um, but that opens up a really slippery slope, right? Because then it's, well, what do you take serious? What do you not take serious? And I, I think it's always important that we're trying to get to, to the spirit, to the truth um, of, of what is being said and looking through some of the cultural things that we don't under, understand. One of the areas that I usually side with being fairly literal on is when we see clear ways that we are supposed to interact with each other, right? That, that aren't necessarily based in, in, a, in cultural understandings, but just behavioral uh, issues. Now, that's not always the case because, you know, like I said, sometimes I question some of the behavioral issues if they're like for uh, rituals. Um, but whenever it's just kind of interacting with between uh, uh, each other, it's for the most part, it doesn't matter if it's in the Old Testament or New Testament. The, the principle behind it is pretty consistent. Um, and, and I lay all that out, as you'll see, because chapter 18 in Leviticus is, is really controversial. Um, and, but we're going to dive into it. Um, I do want to start with the very beginning of chapter 18, 
reemphasizes the importance of holiness, of living differently than the world around you, that God is calling us to live a different way. Uh, It says, I am the Lord your God, according to uh, the doings of the lands of Egypt, uh, where you dwelt, you shall not do. And according to the doings of the lands of Canaan, where I am bringing you, you shall not do nor shall you walk in their ordinances. All right? So he's saying, God is saying, you, you've been in uh, Egypt, you're going to be going to Canaan. You do not need to follow their way of life. It, you may, it may seem right to you. Uh, it may make sense, but you are to follow what I am calling you to do. And then it says, you shall observe my judgments and keep my ordinances to walk in them. I am the Lord your God. You shall therefore keep my statutes and my judgments, which if a man does, he shall live by them. I am the Lord. You know, there's some things that I, we're just not going to have a good answer to, and we need to wrestle with them. But when it comes down to it, I, I'm going to do my best to follow what the Lord says, to what what is the truth that God is getting to? And I may not understand it. it I may be uncomfortable with it, um, but that doesn't mean that I just disregard it. Um, and, and so it's important to remember that it's something that we should be wrestling with as, as people who are striving to live out our faith. Now, again, I'm going to be honest. If, if you just want to have a casual relationship with God, and that it just kind of makes you feel good to believe that God exists and things like that, that's, that's fine. That's, but that is not what God is calling us to. God is calling us to enter into where all of our lives are, uh, are based on trying to, to live for Him because He is the Lord our God. He is calling us to be different. He is calling us to be holy in an unholy world. Right? And so that causes problems. So we have the unholiness bleeding over into the holy and trying to convince us that what is uh, unholy is holy and what is holy is unholy. And it's exhausting. But we should take it serious enough that we at least try to be honest. And whenever we're trying to make the determination, well, is this just a cultural thing that we need to completely do away with? Is this something that expired? We need to be really careful with all of that, and uh, and I, you know, I, I know that there's going to be many of you who uh, agree, and many who, of you who disagree with probably some of the things that I say in regards to this. Uh, but it, it is something that is vital for us to take very seriously. So, uh, chapter eighteen, uh, God starts uh, to to lay out um, some behavioral things that we should avoid, and what He first starts off with is that we should avoid. Um, sleeping with um, our immediate family, right? And he goes into a very detailed list of this, which, again, in Egypt, it was common for especially royalty. They they would at times take their daughter to be their wife, or they would take a close family member uh, to be their wife. They would keep it within the family. And God is saying, no, that is that is not the way we go about this. Uh, then we continue to go, and it, it starts moving a little bit differently. It's in verse 20, it says, Moreover, you shall not lie carnally with your neighbor's wife. Right? Again, reiterating uh, the uh, Ten Commandments. You, you'll see, especially in chapter 19, uh, kind of an expounding of the Ten Commandments. 
Um, and, and so you do not commit adultery. Um, do not uh, de- defile yourself with her. Uh, and you shall not let any of your descendants pass through the fire to Molech. Real quickly, Molech, you will see throughout this. You probably, If you read, you, you saw Molech chapter 20. Molech is clearly someone who God despises. Molech was a god of Canaan. He was a Canaanite god and was fairly brutal. You can read different accounts on what some of the ways that um, people honored and lived for Molech. One of them was that it was a... <laughs> that Moloch was a statue of bronze or an iron statue and that they would heat that up uh, where it was very hot and then they would offer their child as a sacrifice by placing it in the arms of the idol. Right? This is a disgusting pagan ritual that child sacrifice was associated with. And so God specifically calls out that idol, which is kind of interesting you know, that, that he calls out a specific idol, but it, clearly, this one was was evil, um, and uh, and then it says, "Nor shall you profane the name of your God." Right? That's uh, there in in uh, verse twenty one. Profane the name of your God. We're going to see again throughout this. That's one of the things that keeps coming up. Do not profane the name of of God. Uh, what does that mean? It comes up so often. It's interesting that. The definition of profane is contempt or irreverence for what is sacred, right? So it's it's kind of having a contempt for the things of God. Um, it also is associated with the word secular. Now, as I saw this and as I was reading through this, one of the things that just really jumped out to me is how easy it is for us and the desire for us to secularize God. Again, to kind of have it both ways, where we believe in God and we're comfortable with that because maybe there's something that draws us uh, to God. Maybe we, we do like the, the blessings that are promised there. Maybe we're scared of hell, right? So we, we want there to be that God that, that gets us out of hell. Uh, but we are part of this world that is secular, that is against God, if you will, that is living in unholy ways. Sometimes they have ways of living that fit with God's ways of living, but many times it doesn't. And we live in that world. And the temptation for us is to secularize God. And, and man, that is so important for us to take a step back. And whenever we are starting to form our beliefs of, of what God uh, has called us to do, what we read in Scripture, we always need to be asking the question, Okay, is my interpretation of this, am I profaning the name of God? Am I secularizing God? Because if this is just something that's popular in culture today, okay, that may or may not be something that is holy. And we need to be very careful with that. And the very next sentence after it says, you shall not profane the name name of uh, your God, I am the Lord. It says, you shall not lie with a male as with a woman. So it's talking about homosexuality. Then it immediately, it says, it is an abomination. It says, nor shall you mate with any animal to defile yourself with it, uh, nor shall any woman stand before an animal to mate with it. It is uh, perversion. All right, now, immediately, this brings all kinds of consternation. Right? And, and it is 
It is difficult because what this does not say, it does not say that you treat everyone who happens to sleep with a man as a woman when they are a man or when they practice homosexuality. It does not say you treat them as a pariah. It does not say that you are disrespectful to them. It does not say that you take out the punishment on them. It does not say that that you uh, treat them in ways that we have seen society treat homosexuals. Like in Iran, you know, there's been periods of time where homosexuals are thrown off the roofs of buildings, right? And it's, uh, okay, well, that is not what this is saying at all. What it is saying is that that is not God's desire for us, that he does not want us to be participating in that action, that there are standards that God has. It doesn't mean that it cuts you off from God forever, I don't think. I don't don't believe it's the unforgivable sin. But it is really hard for me to get around how pretty plain it is through Scripture that God doesn't desire homosexuality for us. And I think we secularize God whenever we start trying to to twist this um, and to say, no, God actually is okay with that and he's fine with that. In fact, that's something that God blesses. I don't believe that's the case. Now, that doesn't mean that someone who is homosexual can't come in and worship with you in your church. That doesn't mean that someone who is homosexual can't have a relationship with Christ. But the easy thing to do in our society right now is just to kind of say, you know what, this is one of those things that we used to think was a sin, and, you know, we were wrong on that, now it's not a sin. I... I can't go there. Um, I, that, that's the easier way to go. I, I worry that that is secularizing God, that that is profaning the name of God. Um, and at the same time, this doesn't mean that we can't look out and see how people have profaned the name of God in the way that they have treated homosexuals. Um, and we, we should definitely call that out just as vehemently. Um, so this is a tough one. I, I get it. Uh, it's one in our society that is a challenge, um, but, uh, but I, I think God is, is pretty clear in what his desires are uh, for us. And by the way, we, we read the one with uh, having sex with animals, and we're like, why, why, why in the world would that have it? Like, there was an article recently actually about that. So unfortunately, this kind of stuff still <laughs> goes on. Perversion and things like that are still very evident in our world today. So we continue on, uh, chapter 19, um, he starts off, speak to the congregation of the children of Israel, say to them, you shall be holy for I, the Lord, your God am holy. Again, that, that theme that comes through and chapter 19 has a lot of, a lot of things that, you know what, if we would all just live up to those, uh, whether you believe it's coming from God or not, we would probably be better off. Uh, one that really jumped, jumped out to me is, uh, Verse 15 of chapter 19 says, You shall not do injustice in judgment. You shall not be partial to the poor, nor honor the person of the mighty. 
<laughs> says, in righteousness, you shall judge your neighbor. I, I, I love this because, again, we live in this world that we are just on two extremes and it, it drives me insane. But what this is saying is very clear, is that just because someone is poor, that doesn't mean that you cut them slack in terms of righteousness, in terms of justice. Right? Just because someone's poor, that, that doesn't give them the right to steal. Right? Even though we can understand it, even though I understand the motivation, I understand where someone is coming from, but it doesn't give people the right to break God's law just because they're poor. And we shouldn't give them slack just because of their economic standing. Equally, we should not honor the person of the mighty, those in positions of power, those in positions of wealth. They have to be held to the exact same standard. And guess what? We screw this up on both sides. And it's just vital for us as people who are striving to follow Christ that we treat everyone the same, treat them equally. You would think that would be the normal way, but it's not. In fact, I mean, some of the things that you read about some new theories and things like that is that uh, in order to address past discrimination requires uh, present discrimination. And in order to address present discrimination will require future discrimination. Um, No. <laughs> we we should not be discriminating. Uh, we should be treating everyone as who they are, as an individual created by God. It doesn't. None of the other qualifiers um, uh, come come into play, and uh, that's that's very very important. Uh, as you continue on, verse thirty three, interesting one. Uh, and if a stranger dwells with you in your land, you shall not mistreat him. The stranger who dwells among you shall not. Uh, shall be to you as one born among you, and you shall love him as yourself, for you are strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. Some people will base their whole immigration strategy on this. I don't think this is necessarily talking to how as a country you handle immigration. It should feed that where you should desire to treat immigrants with respect. And But the main thing is, is you, the person that I'm talking to, and me, that you treat Someone who is born in a different country, who has different culture than you, you treat them with respect, you treat them with love, you treat them as if they were born into your household. Yeah, maybe we can start there. Um, but uh, this does obviously influence, you know, we can say this should influence our view on how larger policy uh, is, is made. But uh, to use this scripture you know, to, to say, oh, we should just have completely open borders, uh, whatever that means, you've got to be careful with that. Um, but it also pushes back against those who look at immigrants as, as a pariah, right? We obviously don't do that either. Um, so that, that was interesting how that jumps out to me. Then in, in chapters 20 through 22, we have uh, you know, kind of punishments laid out in chapter 20. Remember the cultural aspects there. I, I, I get you know, the, uh, you know, the, the challenge of interpretation there. We have that laid out. Uh, 20 and, 21 and 22 really focus on the priest and the importance of them being set apart, that they are uh, uh, supposed to be consecrated. They are to be examples um, to uh, to the people, and so they are held to a higher standard in some some ways. 
And so we see that going through chapter 22. And uh, chapter 22 ends with this, verse 31. says, Therefore you shall keep my commandments and perform them. I am the Lord. You shall not profane my holy name, but I will be hallowed among the children of Israel. I am the Lord who sanctifies you, who brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God. I am the Lord. He is the Lord. He desires for us to be holy. Man, sometimes we struggle with that because it's not easy. But let's not secularize God. Let's make sure that we live according to God's purposes, no matter how difficult that may be, and no matter how different that may be than the world around us. All right, next day, on Thursday, um, read the rest of Leviticus. So starting in chapter 3, read through the, the end of Leviticus, and we'll wrap that up. Um, I encourage you, if you enjoy this or feel like other people may, uh, to share it um, with with those uh, around you. Uh, but I'm so glad that you have joined us, and I, I hope that you're enjoying our journey through Scripture. All right, we'll see you on Thursday.